Hello Rebels, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. Tonight my guest is independent Winnipeg journalist Marty Gold. If you like listening to the show, then you will love watching it, but in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe. Or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. A snowstorm hits Winnipeg in the midst of an Andrew Scheer campaign event and CBC blames Andrew Scheer. And the NDP continue to have an alt-right anti-Semitism problem. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. everybody we're in the home stretch of this election campaign thank god which means though the crazy anti-conservative rhetoric from the cbc is going to be as ramped up and off the hook as ever and ndp leader jagmeet singh says he's open to a coalition with the liberals to keep those corrupt liberals in power now jagmeet singh himself has a bit of an anti-israel problem that nobody outside of jewish media is really talking about in fact, many prominent people in the NDP have the exact same views on the right of the state of Israel to exist as your run-of-the-mill alt-right neo-Nazi kook. Joining me to talk about the storm that hit Manitoba and how CBC twisted themselves into some sort of pretzel to use bad weather to attack the conservative leader Andrew Scheer and all the anti-Israel madness coming from the NDP that the mainstream media just doesn't want to talk about is independent Winnipeg journalist Marty Gold in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon. from snowy Winnipeg, Manitoba, is my friend, good friend of the show, Marty Gold from the J.ca. Hey, Marty, um, lots happening in Manitoba politics. Um, Manitoba, uh, while it's frozen, has become a, a bit of a political hot potato for the Conservatives based on some of the coverage we're seeing uh, in the um, ungodly CBC. Oh, not just CBC. Uh, CTV, I think, hopped on the same bandwagon. And the Free Press ran a story that I think was a Canadian press byline that, again, focused on uh, the uh, grievances of people who have been relocated on an emergency basis from uh, the Interlake region uh, of Manitoba. They've been hustled down to Winnipeg because of uh, absolute power loss in numerous communities. There's, uh, I know there was a grouping of six communities in particular, including places like, um, I think it was uh, Lake Manitoba Reserve and Little Saskatchewan that had been previously been uh, evacuated. Uh, probably, I was probably like seven, five or six or seven years ago. So these people in these communities have already been through a lot. They uh, are being shuffled around in Winnipeg, uh, you know, on a, on a very ad hoc basis. And for some reason, uh, the Sheer campaign showing up in a, a not spur of the moment, uh, part of their itinerary, showing up at a hotel where some of them were lodged and being dislodged, uh, being moved to uh, uh, you know more uh, 
how should I put this? Pl places where where they are planted to stay for a, a longer period of time, at least initially, you know, like a week or whatever, till they move them out of shelters, and they start belly aching like Shear should, uh, I don't know, pick up a sandbag, uh, or or whatever. And it's just beyond ludicrous the kind of criticism, where, I mean, and I would say this in defense of Jagmeet Singh or any other campaign, even Justin Trudeau that showed up. In a scheduled matter, and uh, they're taking advantage of the national press. The state of emergency. This is not a catastrophe uh, in uh, in the realm of natural disasters that are that that we see across the world. Uh, there are certainly communities, numerous communities that are without uh, power here uh, and went down for for days on end. Uh, but there was no humanitarian crisis. There was not people, uh, you know, being swept away in floodwaters, uh, people being buried in snowbanks or anything of the sort. Uh, but you hear the term, you know, state of emergency and automatically uh, politicians that are going about the usual business of elections are suddenly subject to criticism, surely for one reason, because of the color of their ballot, so to speak. It was it's just disgusting that the mainstream media and I understand how these people are aggrieved, but you know, uh, uh, you know, the shuffling from the Radisson Hotel where the Sheer campaign appeared to wherever else they went next. And I've seen the the individual in question was interviewed on CTV News uh, 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 or uh, their news channel or whatever. They're being shuffled around, not even by the Emergency Measures Organization of Manitoba, which had been my first uh, supposition. They've been shuffled around by, uh, in some cases, like the Interlake Tribal Council, by their own regional government. Is is I guess working with the MO in Winnipeg, so everything's in a state of flux. But somehow it becomes Shear's fault for showing up, and for you know, frankly, you're showing up in a in a province you're not from. The whole you know the campaign, the the uh, out of province media, and uh, they don't have necessarily a grasp. You know, you walk in, the lobby's full of people, obviously, uh, you know, or in a shambles, and the clothes on their back kind of thing. I don't really know what the expectation was, but it seems apparent to me that when headlines seize upon, and I'll tell you who the worst is, uh, uh, to name names, Katie Simpson. Katie Simpson, I sent you this tweet. Yeah. She recirculates as garbage. And and she, you know, I and I think I said in a, one or two appearances ago here on The Gun Show, I have friends that work at CBC. I myself have, have done uh, paid work with them. Uh, it, my first paid media gig was with CBC uh, in the in the entertainment department but it's getting harder and harder to argue against complete defunding mm -hmm. when so-called journalists like Katie Simpson go in and and make this the highlight I am hard-pressed to find any stories that discuss what was Andrew Shear's message to Manitobans what policy did he enunciate uh, uh for the national platform um did he speak? And this is something I want to see Sheer talk about, Singh talk about, Trudeau talk about, Bernier talk about. Uh, uh, Manitoba collects an exorbitant amount of transfer payments. I did not look into this, even look at this, actually, till the, the weekend when I stumbled across it. Nobody's discussing how to turn Manitoba from a have-not province into a have-province. Every candidate for parliament in Manitoba should be talking about this. How do we turn the corner? I'm hoping that when the hydro disaster is done, and I've got you know various information uh, you know I can share with the audience about how bad it is. But when this is done, the emergency assistance, which Manitoba rightfully can claim, and then the city of Winnipeg with its state of emergency can also claim back uh, from the province of Manitoba uh, for for rep uh, um, uh, repair to, in particular, in in the city, the number of trees. And I sent you photos that you're free yeah. to use. Yeah. The number of trees that, like every street, literally, uh, in the, a four block radius near my office in in St. Boniface, every street at either one end or the other, about uh, like one block stretch from you know two east west uh, uh, streets bounding it. Every one, two, three, four streets in a row blocked by fallen trees. Roadways impassable. Nobody that I've grown up with here, worked with over the years, we've never seen anything approaching this. The damage was a lot less in the east side of the city. Uh, a lot of parks, uh, Coronation Park in St. Boniface is devastated. Kildona Park has some damage, but uh, you know not nearly the same. So this 
this storm affected different parts of the city in different ways. When we're done collecting our disaster assistance, trying to get the hydro uh, system up and running, getting people relocated to their homes, their home communities, there has to be, uh, you know, it should probably be a national discussion. Yeah. How does Manitoba, Premier Palace, or the opposition parties, Winnipeg is the economy that drives this province. How do we get pulled up by our bootstraps so we stop draining the Canadian economy uh, and being a be, and being a, a a province that relies is forced to rely uh, on equalization payments? Uh, I'm hoping that this that that this conversation will be spurred. I personally would have liked to see Mr. Sheeran, his appearance in Winnipeg, talk about something like that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Who knows? The mainstream media is too busy, busy talking with people that are blaming Andrew Shear, who cannot order a hydro wire reconnected, who cannot order a works crew out, who cannot order snow cleared, who is in no, cannot cut a check. You know, I understand these people are complaining they haven't got, gotten any disbursements, any per diems. I understand that that's concerning, but to go on a crap on Andrew Scheer, any other politician, including Brian Pallister, for that matter, for for these um, uh, you know, shortcomings in their initial treatment of the first few days of of uh, of, of this kind of unprecedented uh, weather event uh, is, is just unfathomable. And the mainstream media, instead of spending a molecule of brain power, a millisecond on thinking through, hmm, did any of these reporters push back on Madame Missy Abbott or any of the other people that were complaining and say, well, what do you think Shear should really be able to do about it? Have you complained about the prime minister? Where, you know, arguably, maybe there is something the federal government can do. I don't think there was any pushback at all because they heard exactly what they wanted to hear. Shear's uh, uh, standing in the most recent polls where consistently the liberals have fallen to 30% and below, putting Sheer in position of having the most, uh, the, potentially the most seats. And they heard exactly what some of these clowns, so, some of these uh, 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 partisans, uh, and by the way, all good to be partisan, just declare it. Exactly. And the partisanship by CBC, it, uh, that they took advantage of this, is just ridiculous. The other thing is a lot of these reporters that I saw, as I think I noted to you privately in notes, they're filing from like Ottawa and Toronto. They aren't even here on the ground. Yeah. They don't even know what's going on. Uh, uh, very unfair all the way uh, around. And um, I'm sure that they were just sharpening their pencils, so to speak, for the last week of the campaign. Uh, because uh, obviously there's uh, a great divide, certainly in the West, between how people view federal politics and how the Eastern-based mainstream media wants them to think and wants them to see things. You know, that that reminds me of um, an article I sent you privately. Um, I, it, it looks as though a lot of the displaced people in uh, Manitoba are First Nations or Indigenous people. Um, and I think part of yes, the... I, I, I think that is exclusively what's, what's being talked about. I haven't heard of a, of a non-Indigenous uh, community that was uh, evacuated. Right. And uh, there's an Enveronics poll that was commissioned by APTN that shows that the liberal support from Aboriginal people, it, it's just plummeted. It's down to half of what it was in 2015. And actually, the majority mm -hmm. of identified, like uh, decided First Nations voters are going conservative. And I think it's very important. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm more of a conspiracy factualist. It looks as though the mainstream media is trying to whip up this division that Andrew Scheer doesn't care about these displaced Aboriginal folks because uh, they need to do something to change the narrative that, um, you know, that First Nations and Indigenous people are really seeing the Liberals for what they really are and that they've done very little um, in the way of getting their promises done for our First Nations communities, everything that they campaigned on back in 2015. Uh, you know, in Manitoba, and I'm not positive in Saskatchewan, um, you know, there's a very strong, among Métis communities, there's a very strong conservative thread. When I say conservative, I don't necessarily mean uh, party-oriented, yeah. as much as um, values and lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, values of self-sufficiency and and, fa and family values and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I again, I think this relates back to uh, Eastern media, 
who who cannot grasp that Aboriginal and First Nations communities that they can identify when they've been betrayed, when they've been let down by a sitting government, and the, and they mark their ballots accordingly. I, I don't think what you've expressed is a conspiracy theory uh, uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, you know, increasingly. We see, uh, you know, how much how much material have you seen during the course of the election that that uh, is uh, focused on uh, the threat of far right xenophobia and racism and such things, and nothing uh, about the threats to uh, various ethnic groups, to community harmony, etc., coming from the far left. N nothing, yeah. nothing. So there is definitely a theme coming from these uh, these uh, mainstream newsrooms. Uh, and uh, as I said, they're, they're, this is going to fall on deaf ears in the West. I don't think that this uh, La Faire Chier, uh, uh, uh booking into the Radisson Hotel concurrent to the its emergency use as a temporary lodging for uh, displaced persons from uh, communities two, three, four, five hours or more away from Winnipeg, uh, I don't think it's going to swing a any ridings in Manitoba, and I, I don't think it's going to swing very many votes. I I think that um, there's going to be a reckoning uh, after this election with with media, uh, whether it's with publishers, whether it's with um, uh, you know managing editors, the people that run newsrooms. They're going to have to take a, a careful look at how they cover things when the West, including British Columbia, ends up with you know. 12 liberal seats and maybe 10 or 12 NDP seats and two green seats and the rest of it, you know, 70 or, or more, whatever the, the actual number is, probably closer to 80 or 85, are going to be conservative seats. They've got to really look at, at how well they are reflecting yeah. their own communities and the values of those communities. Now, whether they do it or not, you know, might be at their peril. But I think that there will be, at least in Western Canada, a bit of a shift in the relationship between the media and the uh, news consumers. Uh, now, that may be good news for people like yourself, people like myself that are independent and uh, a lot closer to uh, to centrist centrist positions. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you and I espouse um, are viewed as being right wing, but they are, in fact, really centrist, moderate positions in terms of the Canadian traditions. Uh, this might be good news for people like ourselves that uh, that, um, you know, are, are, are free to take swings in both directions. Uh, whether it's at the political right or the political left. Uh, I, I know that, you know, this campaign in Manitoba has been singularly unremarkable. There's been no no real uh, 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 bellwether moment from any of the candidates, really, so to speak. Uh, the candidates are, are uh, really like, um, you know, heads down kind of, uh, kind of here. No candidate uh, for um, a parliament in Manitoba has really tried to seize a headline yeah. with any particular pronouncement or stunt. Uh, and one thing that's happening here, I'll mention parenthetically, is there is definitely absolutely voter fatigue yeah. coming through the Manitoba campaign and now this one. And the storm, uh, which was, uh, as I say, unprecedented. My brother, who has not lived here in Oh, geez. Uh, he moved away 35 years ago and he he messaged me uh, the other night in between Jewish, you know, Jewish religious holidays, uh, like with just like one word with a question mark, snow. <laughs> and we, we've had that. We had one ice storm, one snow event here in 1985, where it was only 10, 10 centimeters of snow. But the wind and, and the temperature created sheets of ice that the next day people had to chisel into their cars. Uh, this is in the 80s, so you had to use a you know key entry to get in the driver's side. You couldn't chisel through the ice to get in your doors, and the city commissioners were out writing tickets for people who couldn't move their cars. Government. And so <laughs> a lot of us remember that. That is the only time there's been anything even remotely that disrupted everyday life in Winnipeg uh, because of, of, of snow. And so that is especially, listen, I was exhausted Saturday because I was outside shoveling yeah. just to be able to make sure I wasn't overwhelmed on Saturday and Sunday here. I was exhausted. And people that have been campaigning for all the parties knocking on the doors, they're beat. And uh, the end of the campaign will come as a re welcome relief, not just to people like yourself and myself in certain <laughs> respects, 
But just the people of Manitoba, people especially Winnipeg, are just going to be very, very glad to have that behind them, I think. Yeah, I, I can relate. Alberta has been in this state of constant campaign mode for the last two years. It was it was first for Jason Kenney to win the PC leadership. Then it was unity between the two parties. And then it was, yeah. you know, campaigning to defeat the NDP. And now it's campaigning in the federal election. And it just seems like one of those exhausting American election cycles that takes two years. That's what we've been in in, uh, oh, yeah. in Alberta. I, you sent me some interesting, uh, the Manitoba seats forecast. Uh, it looks like the Liberals are likely to drop four seats, um, some to Conservatives, I, obviously, and it looks like they're losing one to the NDP. Yeah, we can go through that very quickly. Uh, <laughs> I... I I have looked at some other since since the um, prognostication, uh, not my own. Uh, uh, this was uh, is it uh, Canada three thirty eight is the website. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Uh, I, I've looked at a couple of other. I, I stumbled across a couple of other pollsters. There's a couple of real outliers there. Uh, they rely more so on on predicting uh, national results. And there's one that thinks the Liberals are like at 156 seats or some like absurd number. Uh, I'm satisfied that this chart is 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 accurate, and and I asked around a little bit uh, last evening in preparation for this. Uh, the uh, seats that are up in the up in the air, uh, up for grabs, so to speak. The ultra hyphenated Charleswood St. James Assiniboia Headingley, the far west part of Winnipeg. Uh, Headingley is actually a separate municipality. Uh, Dr. Doug Elfson of the uh, Liberals uh, won an upset last time around, aided by the fact that the NDP candidate had been forced out. So that moved some left of center votes towards him uh, in uh, defeat of uh, Stephen Fletcher. Fletcher running in for the People's Party. There was a poll out there that showed he was... Um, influencing the election uh the prognostication we saw is that uh, the conservatives marty morantz former city councillor he was a one-term city councillor and marty has been uh who i i know personally and have for about 10 years uh marty's um comes across a very humble guy very very uh uh um you know he he evokes the 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 personality of somebody who's an old-styled public servant like he's not running for politics for a job he go to work in the family business uh, he's a lawyer etc uh but marty's been door knocking a lot he's very lucky he bailed out on city hall uh in 24 in the 2014 election so he's not tainted by anything that's gone wrong under brian bowman mm -hmm. uh and uh uh marty is uh he's he's made a good impression of the doors but fletcher does too yeah. uh 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 you know i misspoke myself actually marty i think bailed out in the 2018 election uh fletcher makes a great impression of doors i've heard this from a couple of people because they're so used to stephen fletcher they're used to seeing him and and they they don't his voters don't have the kinds of concerns that are enunciated about uh the uh, people's party about bernie's other candidates etc Aylson yeah. grates on people a little bit he's got a bit of a reputation as do you know, he's a surgeon and sometimes they've got, you know, a bit of a, a bit of an ego. Uh, and, and there's also a view that he didn't deliver for the riding. Uh, so the question is whether Morantz is going to be uh, pulled down, dragged down uh, by um, uh, by anything that goes sideways uh, because of the because of uh, the, the Fletcher influence, so to speak. Uh uh, another riding that uh, where the Liberals are in in some trouble is uh, Kildonan St. Paul, where I think it started going in reverse for Marion Mahaychuk once she was removed from cabinet. Again, I've known her personally uh, for a number of years, and uh, she's uh, facing uh, a candidate who's uh, a real rising star in the Manitoba Conservatives, Raquel Dancho, uh, who's. Um, you know, again, the the ground campaign and and Dancho has a lot of good provincial connections uh, from a past candidacy. Um, it's been known that Majic was going to be in trouble in this in in that riding for a while. I I I don't know that she's uh, you know the ground game. I think is not what what she needed to be able to recover in uh, Winnipeg Center. Uh, Robert Falconulet is in very tough against the star candidate for the NDP, Leah Gazan. She is 
uh, you know, I've never seen her identified as a Marxist, but the endorsement she got this weekend from Naomi Klein tells me she is. Uh, Gazan is, uh, of the, uh, in terms of Manitoba politics, she's in the Nahani Fontaine wing of the NDP, uh, very big on the, uh, on the anti-capitalism, uh, colonialism bandwagon, uh, anti-bandwagon, so to speak. And, uh, they've thrown a lot of resources, not in, for instance, where the aforementioned Madame Fontaine, uh, the deputy leader of the Manitoba Provincial NDP, they haven't thrown their resources into Winnipeg North to try to knock off Kevin Lamru, who originally in 2004 or whatever was only won the seat by like under 50 votes. They've given up on trying to knock off Kevin Lamru in Winnipeg North, and they've thrown a lot of NDP resources uh, into, the, into that riding. Uh, similarly, you know, the NDP in Kildonan and St. Paul, which is, uh, again, a north North side riding. Evan Crosney's run a very strong campaign for the NDP, and that's also hurt Mahaychuk. So they they focused resources there. But Gazan is, um, you know, like I said, she's a rising star, uh, and uh, and has the U of W University of Winnipeg crowd behind her as well. Uh, and and Ulet just had a lot of bad bad press right from when he started. Yeah. Uh, as uh, as a, a member of parliament, uh, I think there was the aborted uh, run for for speaker and other things. Again, I, I I've mentioned on this program, I am have good, very good personal relationships with a number of these members of parliament, liberal members of parliament we're, we're speaking of. Uh, but you know, Ouellette benefited that when he ran uh, in 2015, he was the fresh face, and Pat Martin was the tired face yeah. that had outworn his NDP welcome, and now Ouellette is carrying the burden of, you know, and he's done some great work in the constituency, but uh, not as much at the door knocking level, I think, as people were hoping to see uh, the voters themselves. And number two, he's I think that the Trudeau thing weighs around him like an anchor Yeah. Uh, in, in a riding with a lot of, as you mentioned, riding with a lot of Aboriginal support. If it swings back to the NDP, it's no big, uh, no big surprise in Winnipeg South. Right now, Terry Dugan is seen as being behind Melanie Mayar. She has a uh, lot of um, experience in the provincial, uh, I was going to say bureaucracy. Of, I, I think she was a, a more a civil servant uh, than a paper pusher. But she's she's got a good grounding, uh, very experienced uh, in provincial conservative politics. Uh, and and Dugan, you know, was considered kind of lucky to win the last time. He's a perpetual uh, bridesmaid in Manitoba politics. Uh, uh, the sense was that he was in a toss up. The, the uh, prediction that we saw uh, in the indication is that he's behind Winnipeg South Center speaking of toss ups, Jim Carr in a toss up against Joyce Bateman. I don't know that there's a less popular conservative candidate in Manitoba than Bateman. A lot of people were not very happy, um, that she, uh, had the nomination. She's, um, uh, you know, pre her career is most notable here, aside from uh, the federal stuff, as a Winnipeg school board. I think she was the chair of the Winnipeg school board at one point. And for Jim Carr to be in a position to be even be uh, in a tie with Joyce Bateman is uh, who does not have, you know, not every conservative is behind her. Yeah, I think is a good way of putting it. People were hoping for a, a more vibrant, a younger candidate. If he is losing to her, a Bateman would have a good ground game. Yes. But B, boy, that tells you that tells you that Jim Carr is as the senior regional minister, similar, I guess, to what's happening with Ralph Goodale, yep. right, in Saskatchewan, that he's wearing that Trudeau anchor. One other that's a toss up, uh, St. Boniface, St. Patel, Dan Vandell, who had a good early start to the campaign. Um, and Rajan Caron in the last three weeks, she's a, a police officer uh, who is very conservative. Her messaging is uh very law and order. Great. And she has, in the last three weeks, the signs for her, not that I count signs uh, per se, but it's been obvious that there's been a swing towards her in different parts of uh, of the riding. It's pretty expansive. And Vandal is in tough. I know that his campaign was very optimistic. Um, about 10 days ago, they, uh, they felt that they were in good shape. All their signs were getting out. They had a lot of ground support. Um, but uh, that is definitely in toss-up territory. So when we go uh, through the list, oh, one other. Uh, it's the NDP, Daniel Blakey, a member of the Blakey political dynasty, uh, took the Elmwood 
Transcona riding uh, in the last election by a very small margin. Lawrence Toad on the comeback trail. Uh, a lot of time to prepare. Uh, and uh, and the uh, Toad campaign uh, has been quietly confident. The polling is showing that Blakey is uh, is behind this, I think, is a surprise to some people. Maybe an indication Blakey um, uh, was relying too much on the family dynasty, the Bill Blakey tradition. Uh, but uh, uh, and Toad has his detractors. Uh, he's very socially conservative, uh, but he's had a um, a very good. Uh, you know, like those are the kinds of campaigns. Toad, for instance, where you'd expect there'd be some bomb thrown at him of something that he he might have said that that would irk people who don't like social conservatism. In all these writings that I mentioned, there's been, you know, none of that tactically has gone on. Uh, these writings that, that we've talked about just now are all Winnipeg writings. Uh, outside of Winnipeg, I don't recall seeing that any of them looked like there. And I'm just scanning the list now. Uh, these are places like Portage, Lizgar. Uh, 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 none of these look like they're moving. And the, the uh, Nikki Ashton holds the Churchill uh, seat, and she seems to be ahead of a liberal member of the legislature, uh, Judy Clausen, had quit to run for the federal party. And I think she's uh, she's learning that the provincial popularity she had is not translated very well onto the federal stage. Uh, so Ashton could hold on and end up being the lone NDP member of uh, of the uh, national uh, NDP caucus in Ottawa after October 21st. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. And that's the rundown. It's interesting to see these regional uh, cabinet ministers for Trudeau in some very serious trouble. For example, uh, Amarjeet Sohi in Edmonton, he's going to lose that riding by 20, 15 points to Tim Upple, and he barely won by less than 100 votes last time. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's interesting to see, like you say, uh, Trudeau hanging like a millstone around their necks. Um, boy, I'd love to. You see. know, I don't remember. I'd love the, to see Goodale gone. I would love I don't remember to see the exact that. details. I don't remember the exact details, but it strikes me that the 1972 election, for those of us that are very old uh, and follow politics in our childhood, that uh, the that was the election where Trudeau Senior won 109 to 108 mm -hmm. uh, over Bob Stanfield, and if I'm remembering correctly, a number of uh, Trudeau cabinet members uh, felt the wrath of the voters in 72 and so that family tradition for justin trudeau seemingly is uh, has the potential to continue it would if you know if if jim carr were to fall and ralph goodale uh even if the trudeau liberals were to pull out uh, a a victory in the seat count it'd be very very hard for any anybody to take seriously uh that that there was any legitimacy to a federal liberal government when their senior most senior cabinet ministers in the West uh, go down a defeat. It would it would uh, clearly indicate a, a, a an increasing gap, an increasing divide between the Eastern establishment that runs that party and the sensibilities, and I, I say sensibilities, not sensitivities, of um, liberal and 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 mid range voters in the across the prairies and in alberta yeah it's but uh, you know look ralph goodale's needed is ralph goodale's needed his ass kicked for a long time so if that happens good for him yeah yeah there's a guy that deserves uh retirement um yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see um it, the cultural divide between uh the big huge blue middle of canada middle and west of canada versus what it looks like on the other sides of Canada. It's going to be very similar to the electoral map of the United States, I predict, where it was, you know, all, yeah. all blue around the coast and the middle is red flyover country. Um, but at least in the United States, yeah. um, flyover country won the day. Now, you mentioned Nikki Ashton hanging on to her seat, and uh, that's a great segue into the next topic that I want to talk about. Um, because we've talked secular politics. Let's talk Jewish politics. That's your other life um, and Jewish news. Nikki yes. Ashton has been uh, a really staunch proponent of BDS, boycott, divestment and sanctions. She's called the founding of the state of Israel, the Nakba, the catastrophe. Um, and it looks to me like the NDP have a real anti-Semitism problem in their party. Um, they've yes. come. They've come out as pro BDS, 
And uh, you guys at the J.ca, you even have um, some pretty breaking news um, with regard to that. So why don't you give us a bit of the rundown? Well, sure. I, the, there's a, an organization called the Canada-Palestine uh, Association. This is, again, one of these uh, Marxist-oriented, uh, uh, you know, far, far left uh, liberation theology organizations. And they sent out questionnaires to all the political parties. Uh, I will preface this by saying I have not seen, I have not searched for the response they got from the other political leaders. Uh, so I can't compare the NDP response to uh, the other replies that they got, but they sent out a questionnaire with uh, nine or ten questions on it. I truncated what I sent, uh, what I sent to you, uh, and I and I we don't know who who prepared the responses for the federal NDP or who signed off on it. Uh, but the questions that were sent uh, included: Do you recognize the right of Canadians to support BDS movement? Answer: Yes. Do you oppose condemning or criminalizing people or organizations to support the BDS movement? Yes. Uh, do you oppose the anti-Palestinian? And, and all these questions were framed, were loaded uh, in this kind of a manner. Do you oppose the anti-Palestinian, anti-democratic and politically charged IHRA definition of anti-Semitism? Uh, the NDP tries to have it both ways, that they uh, say we believe the government of Canada must have a clear definition of anti-Semitism so we can better gauge report and work towards ending it. We have some concerns that the IRHA definition and its associated examples could undermine those who wish to speak out, speak out in favor of the human rights of Palestinians. So you now have a federal NDP, uh, and whether Jagmeet Singh saw this and initialed it or not, I don't know, that... It has now come out in support of BDS, in spite of the BDS movement uh, being entirely, uh, again, if it focused solely on products in so-called disputed territories, there were clearly disputed territories would be one thing. This includes academic boycotts of, of Israeli science and innovation. Uh, it's just, it's vile beyond belief. It clearly has its roots in, in boycotts that were perpetrated in Arab states against Jewish businesses in Nazi Germany. And here's the, the NDP in the middle of a federal election campaign where they're, uh, where they're saying, no, BDS is legitimate. And, you know, definitions of, of anti-Semitism that lump in BDS support and the BDS philosophy as being anti-Semitic. Oh, geez, we've got some concerns. Uh, listen, just say it. Jews should not vote for the NDP, uh, or and, uh, let me rephrase it. Jews that support the, the existence of the state of Israel should not vote, vote for the NDP. They, you know, frankly, they probably could care less if Jews voted for the NDP, anyways. Jagmeet Singh, I indicated the last time I was on with you, he's he's whereas uh, Trudeau had a blackface problem. Jagmeet Singh has a a, a, a kind of a, a color blindness or some sort of a blindness towards anti-Semitism. Um, Ron East. Uh, our publisher had sent a uh, correspondence to Mr. Singh at the invitation of the NDP when he raised some concerns about a particular uh, uh, character who cloaks himself in the guise of a human rights activist in Toronto uh, and the fact that this guy had a picture taken with uh, with Singh and was uh, waving it around as a form of uh, you know legitimizing himself, uh, Husseini al-Najim. Uh, and uh, Ron had sent uh, Jagmeet Singh uh, an email indicating that uh, there had been a problem with this fellow in August and September, casing out Jewish synagogues, uh, harassing a, a lapsed Muslim woman who was very uh, pro-Israel in, in a supermarket. Uh, uh, he run asked Singh to denounce uh, al-Najim and the anti-Semitism he espouses and to ensure anti-Semitism doesn't have a home in the NDP party. Uh, he did not run, did not get a response from Jagmeet Singh, and we've now seen the NDP have moved the goalposts so that BDS is and anti-Semites who, who are at the foundation, at the core of the BDS movement in Canada, uh, uh, the likes of Nikki Ashton, for instance, they're completely at home in the NDP. So that's really, you know, that's really comforting to Jewish voters from coast to coast. Uh, there's, I think, just under 400,000 people who identify as Jewish in this country. Um, now, this uh, character that uh, Singh will not address, uh, he on Facebook proclaimed that he was campaigning actively with the NDP in Toronto. And uh, 
made a number of lovely candidates, uh, lovely comments rather. Uh, New York is a Zionist base. Allah brought me here for a sacred reason. The Zionists are controlling a lot of er uh, of areas in the, uh, around uh, around Toronto. I'm working with the NDP right now, he posted on Facebook. So I'm giving those signs and flyers and stuff like that. Uh, I, uh, and then he mentioned that when he knocked on a door and see somebody who's a Zionist, that they tell you to go away. No, you're just going to welcome a character like this into your home. <laughs> well, this created enough heat that the NDP candidate in North York disavowed him and put out a statement on October 13th that uh, they've che they diligently checked her, their campaign records and determined that there's no connection with the uh, NDP campaign in York Center uh, or the Riding uh, Association, that he wasn't part of uh, the candidates. This is Andrea Velasquez Jimenez, who is a noted BDS leader in Toronto and has said some lovely things about Israel and the Jewish people in her past. Uh, and they're claiming she's her campaign put out a statement that she has no association, no affiliation with this guy. So look at this this weird situation where here's an NDP candidate that can't run away fast enough from uh, from uh, Al Najim. But Jagmeet Singh was silent on the matter. Uh, very strange, uh, just very strange that uh, that that Singh can't bring himself to do something one of his own candidates felt compelled to do. Now, granted, it's in, in pursuit of, of not losing whatever Jewish votes she might be able to scrounge up in York Center. But it is still kind of striking that uh, the candidate uh, distances herself, but the leader won't. Uh, now, uh, one, what we do have that you alluded to is some exclusive news that came to us over the course of the long weekend. Uh, someone associated, uh, who's identified as being associated with uh, Faraz al-Najim, uh, and this, this person is uh, more of the, he exposes a lot of neo-Nazi kind of tendencies, which is a weird alignment, I know, with the, you know, kind of Marxist, uh, Islamist radical um, faction, but you know, when there's Jews to be picked on, exactly. they will find common cause. Yeah. Uh, there's, well, yeah, I mean, it just, the, the, the vile characters will always, in, are, are beginning as we've seen, you know, in Europe to coalesce around their, their, uh, you know, intergenerational hatred of the yeah. Jewish people mm -hmm. and of Jewish, the Jewish culture and Jewish values. The RCMP has been investigating a character who is, who is connected, has been connected online uh, in the past to uh, Firaz, uh, and they have referred the file over to a federal prosecutor. This is in Alberta. Uh, now, the uh, RCMP told uh, told the J.ca that the prosecutor, or the investigator rather, was concerned that the some of the comments, for instance, that have been um, uh, accumulated and then forwarded on as examples of hate speech or, or threats of violence, that they were made you know, some time ago, over a year ago, and there was a concern by the investigator, the RCMP investigator, that mm -hmm. a prosecution might not, a charge might not hold because nothing has happened in the last year. As, you know, as though that's a real valid measuring stick. So this is now in the hands of, a, in, a, in essence, a Trudeau government prosecutor. During the election campaign, I don't know that we'd expect any kind of decision about a prosecution for uh, hate speech or, or, uh, or making threats. Uh, based on uh, national origin, et cetera. I don't know that we'd expect that to come out, but it's been made clear that if if the decision is made that this isn't prosecutable, something happens either by this person or uh, with their encouragement in the future, that this is, would cause uh, a great uproar that would not go away very quickly. Uh, here's a situation where people have taken note of very vile, very violent comments and yeah. threats, have forwarded them on to the RCMP, but now suddenly they view things. This is where somebody said something 20 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago, 60 years ago when they were flirting with the, you know, the remnants of the Nazi party in Argentina or something, or, you know, in Bolivia. This, These are comments made in Canada, in Alberta in the last year. Uh, and the RCMP is hesitant to pull the trigger on on laying a charge, not because they doubt the validity of what's been been reported to them, but because of the notion that somehow uh, you know some legal principle would be applied. So the the, the comment made was a a good defense lawyer would blah blah blah, 
and my retort to, uh, and I, I, Ron East, you know, shares his point of view with me at the J.ca. Maybe a good defense lawyer would be able to try to poke holes in a, in a prosecution based on on these comments and and that it's in the last year he didn't do anything did he didn't didn't like punch out a Jew or set fire to a synagogue or something, uh, but a good prosecutor would rip that argument to shreds. Uh, and uh, maybe the problem here is that the RCMP in reality doesn't have faith in the prosecutors, the federal prosecution branch, uh, not to you know, not to drop the ball. And maybe that was the hidden message, but I don't know. We have faith in the RCMP. Yep. We've had good, uh, good discussions with them, with Winnipeg police, other law enforcement with regards to the research and information that comes to our attention about anti-Semites, uh, uh, about, uh, um, uh, Islamist radicals, etc. Uh, and, uh, we're going to, we are going to be watching eagerly to see what happens with this file and whether, uh, a, uh, charges, are brought forward against this individual who, uh, believe me, um, you know, when you hear these people talk about who does or doesn't have a place, uh, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau is always uh, very quick to tell somebody who's a critic, uh, your views don't have a place in Canadian society. Uh, this is an example of the, the kinds of individuals who definitely don't have a place in society uh, in the in the traditional view of what what our values are. But in some cases, they've been, you know, people that associate with them, people that, that, that hold the same viewpoints, that espouse the same kind of violent rhetoric, they have a place seemingly within the federal NDP. Uh, not a very comforting, not a very comforting thought. Yeah, when the far left and the far right hold hands, it's always because of the Jews. Every single time. Um, Marty, uh, I know you probably have snow to shovel and we're recording this Tuesday. I have to get across the province to a book signing. Um, how can... No, actually it melted. Oh, great. <laughs> Good. Good. So you probably have a flooded basement. Uh, <laughs> um, how can people find your work, um, both in your, your secular journalism and with the J.ca and how, more importantly, how can they help support your work to keep you going? Uh, I've gotten uh, some wonderful feedback, especially on Twitter from your viewers, uh, about, about my previous, uh, appearances. Uh, the, uh, uh, my secular work, uh, secular reporting is found at the acronym for the Great Canadian Talk Show, tgcts.com. Uh, and uh, that's where I post uh, stories. I, I think the most recent story when this airs, I think is probably going to be about city politics uh, in Winnipeg and the, the fact that the city charter needs to be revised because uh, the strong mayor model, uh, we have a mayor who's uh, uh, Mayor Brian Bowman, who's very envious of uh, Mayor Nenshi is one of his role models and Don Iveson. And uh, the, the way City Hall is working right now is uh, turned into undeclared party politics. So I'm I'm looking at putting up a story about that. Uh, I also have a link to my previous uh, appearance with you uh, here on The Gun Show, which got uh, my report from the, the Trudeau apology to our day one. They got a, a lot of really Great. kind words and, and good re re response to, to my reporting. Uh, the J.ca is where we cover matters of importance to the Jewish community, both in Winnipeg and Western Canada, uh, as well as uh, nationally and stories about uh, various stories about Israel uh, and uh, the, anti the, the, the scourge of anti-Semitism worldwide. Um, in my Twitter profile, as well as uh, on the J.ca and uh, uh, on the, the Great Canadian Talk Show website, uh, there's uh, 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 links to uh, 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 PayPal, and uh, anybody can email me, contact me if they're interested in helping to, to uh, perpetuate the kind of work that I've been doing here on the Canadian Prairie for, for many, many years, providing a, not just a Jewish perspective, uh, but there are there is nobody doing the kind of work that I, that I am doing here in terms of freelance reporting, independent reporting, without the influence of corporate media. I don't depend on any government dollars uh, whatsoever. Um, and, uh, so I'm not going to be influenced about what to report. If somebody needs to get, to get a good smack, they're going to get it. Uh, whether they're, whether it's Premier Pallister on the one side or Wabkin with the NDP leader on the other side. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, I try to, to, I try to report on stories that, that nobody else covers. Sometimes because I get good tips and sometimes, you know, the information's out there and the media doesn't recognize yeah. that stories about the little guy, stories about people being oppressed by bureaucracy, stories about uh, about people who want to make a difference and are told they can't 
the mainstream media, you know, if it doesn't involve a ribbon cutting, if it doesn't involve one of their one of their favored, presently aggrieved groups, uh, you know, they 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 dismiss covering those kinds of stories. And uh, I I just try to bring out stuff that is uh, is is new information. I mean, sometimes it's not new information. It's stuff I've covered before that I keep following up on. Like nobody else ever criticizes the bike lobby here, for instance. <laughs> yeah. uh, they deny that they that one even exists. Uh, so you know it's th- things like that. Uh, where there's pushback to the uh, global, and uh, there is a globalist agenda. I love reading now how there there is none. There is. Uh, it's trying to influence the, the Western, you know, Western way of life and Western values. And I push back against that because, uh, you know, uh, as you and I have discussed previously, a lot of people think things should be different, but they wouldn't dare actually go live someplace where it's like that now. Amen. Marty, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You're always so generous with your time. You break down the complex issues in a way that we can all understand. And I look forward to the next time you're back on the show. I look forward to the next invitation. And thank you to all the viewers for being so supportive of the work that we do. Great. Thanks, Marty. Would you agree with me that this has been the most divisive, disgusting election we've ever seen in our lives? And we've all lived through the NDP's failed campaign of fear and smear against conservative voters here in Alberta. I cannot wait for this election campaign to be over. And I hope my friend Marty is right, that this election will force a reckoning for the media and for the role they played in demonizing normal Canadians who hold deeply mainstream views on issues of climate change, pipelines, and even immigration. Because it has been one thing for the Liberals to try to score political points by demonizing normal people, but it's an entirely other thing for the media to carry that narrative further for the Liberals. Well, everyone, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week, where hopefully we will have some sort of new government to talk about. And remember, don't let this government tell you that you've had too much to think.